Welcome back, everyone, to another Morale Clubhouse, Lunchtime Clubhouse, uh, discussing all things Cubs Northside with Dom Frederick, Director of Morale. And we'll open up to a town hall discussion. This week, we will uh, be celebrating our all-stars, Ian Happ and Will Scutreras. And Fred will be drafting his all-time all-Cubs morale all-star team. Not by uh, ability, by simply morale. By morale. By morale ability. Now, it will fall into some categories where you're going to pick better players just because they probably were more celebrated or they had the opportunity to celebrate more and it brought better, you know, uh, morale, for lack of a better term, to the team. But it's not a, it's not an ability team. It's an it's a morale team for sure. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Um, and then uh, we'll have – Fred, we'll have you recap this past week. The Cubs are now 34 and 53, 3 and 7 in the last 10. Last time we talked, there were like four series wins in a row. So we've yeah. taken a little bit of a turn. But uh, we'll talk uh, all-stars. We'll talk about the recent Cubs stuff and going forward and the impending doom that we're all uh, thinking about. But we'll we'll talk about some other things, too. So, Fred, kick us off. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, tough week. How many games – have we won a game since the last time we talked? One game, maybe? Um, got swept by the Dodgers, lost to the Orioles last night. We won uh, one game against yeah, the Brewers. Yeah, one game. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, tough week. Uh, just from a sense that whenever you put, play the Dodgers, um, I've said this multiple times, but to me, they are the standard for what you want an organization to be. And I will hold true to the fact that the Cubs should not have any standards below what the Dodgers are, or how they operate or how they spend or whatever they do. Uh, that's what we should get here. And I'm going to hold true to that. So, yeah, it's tough when you see the Cubs, you know, Granted, they, they had opportunities to win those games, but not they weren't able to pull it through. You get swept in four, in four games. It's, it's pretty tough. And then last night's brutal. I know a lot of people were talking about the Orioles' improved roster and they're building something and they're kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it proof that a rebuild works, um, but they're the freaking Orioles, man. Like, let's be honest, they're – no one really goes to their games. They're in a division where they are simply at the bottom year after year, considering who they have to contend with. And the Cubs are 10 games behind what the uh, Orioles are. Again, I don't want to make this to a, make this a gloom and doom space today, but God, just brutal watching it. And as I look at my calendar right now, we are, let's see, we are almost two weeks, three weeks away from the, trade deadline so you're talking about guys obviously ian happ wilson um to name a few who very well could be gone so yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm kind of somber in the sense that it's just been brutal watching lately it's been brutal seeing what the cubs are and then knowing that it's probably going to get worse in a couple weeks um adds to the fact that while there are stuff to celebrate i'm super happy for ian getting the all-star uh berth Wilson, obviously, um, Cubs were playing well going into last week, but it's just still uh, tough, and I know a lot of Cubs fans feel the same way. Adam, you there? Oh, I was on mute. I said we got to give a special shout-out to the starters tonight. Oh, 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to break any news, though. I don't. I don't know if he announced it himself. I don't want to be a newsbreaker at all. It says, uh, yeah, it says he has. He said that he hasn't slept. There's like reports he hasn't slept since his his uh, baby was born. Oh, okay. Then I didn't know. I didn't know that he had uh, gone public with that. He yeah. Has? I don't think he's posted anything, but all the media has posted things about him. Having. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah. Justin Seal, absolute grinder, um, show, showing up uh, to start tonight after uh, having a child the other night. Um, man, just absolutely incredible. The fact he's going to be out there. I know when we had our uh, newborn, if I don't know, it felt like a blur for the first month. Uh, in terms of what you can do and not leaving the house and stuff like that. So credit to him, credit to his wife, support system, everything like that. The guy just wants to win. Um, he's probably going to literally show up, pitch, and then go right back to his apartment to hang out with his family. So, yeah, he's the best. He's probably going to show up. He's got a lot of perspective now, father, um, and, yeah, looking for the pride of Loosedale, Mississippi to, you know, keep doing his thing. He's been on an absolute tear. Uh, him and Keegan Thompson are like one of the few bright spots that we've seen. And obviously we've talked about over the last couple months, the other guys to watch right now. All right. Then I want to recap everything from the past week. Uh, I've told you before, I like pull up your most engaged tweets and talk about the different things we didn't talk about last time around. And a lot of things happened in between the seven days. Um, so the things that there was a lot of, old Cubs morale talk uh, between like ex players. And I know people get sour sometimes talking about it, but I think it needs to be talked about for trade trade reasons too. But Kyle Schwarber continuing to mash and being a a Twitter sensation too. I mean, the the videos and I don't think saw his Instagram video the other day. It was pure morale. Yeah. I I mean, I've got talk about a sore spot. You know, you can go back and say Anthony Rizzo should have been the guy to stay. Javi, Chris, um, you know, you want to even a lot of people are talking about Dylan Cease right now having a fantastic season. What went wrong? What was the move to, you know, put the Cubs into this downward spiral, if you will? I'm not going to say it all hinged on Kyle Schwarber, but God, Jed, just just such a short-sighted decision that he made to let him go for nothing. Again, nothing. Cut. DFA. Like, we don't want you anymore. We don't We don't even think we can get anything for you. And, you know, it, it wasn't worth trying to continue trying to continue to look for trade possibilities. We're just going to cut you and save $8 million. Now, at the time, I said I didn't necessarily understand it, but I guess Jed was looking at it from a perspective that we'll get a similar player like Jock who's going to hit home runs and he's going to put the ball in play more and he's going to hit the high fastball better, things like that. Uh, but I'll contend to the fact that if you want to have a good team, which the Cubs said they wanted to do in 2020 and well, 2021, you know, the last year of the core being together, uh, I just thought it was really obviously short sighted to let him go for nothing. And he's been one of the better hitters in baseball. Someone tweeted me yesterday saying uh, it's 28 homers in half a season and not much else. And good Lord, I mean, I would take so many players out there that would hit 28, 28 home runs. That's not for a season. That's for half a season. It's absolutely ridiculous that fans 
you know, uh, belittle that and, and think like it's not a big accomplishment. Like it's totally crazy. If we had a guy who was hitting 28 homers right now on the Cubs, uh, we'd be fired up. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it stings. And Jed, uh, I mean, he's not going to go back and talk about it and say he did something wrong or did something right, or it was the right decision. However, he wants to describe it, but man, it really is a black mark on his reputation and record being a decision maker moving forward. And, you know, listen, for as much as we want to give Jed credit for what he did as a GM and what he's, I, I guess, now doing for acquiring young talent, he needs to prove himself as a talent evaluator and final decision maker moving forward because, you know, we're stacking up a lot of losses right now and it just puts more and more pressure on him to, succeed in the future and I again I, I don't like this lottery ticket mindset of um, you know hoping that something's going to work out and not seeing things through and all that type of stuff so yeah that, that's, those are kind of my thoughts right now Kyle Schwarber uh, is a perfect example of that you know just uh, cut and bait when uh, it seems you know easy to and not really you know putting the best roster on the field and not you know keeping a large expansive roster on uh on the bench and things like that so yeah it's frustrating good for kyle first morale athlete he's the best uh, i wish him nothing but the best he's the man and just really happy to see him hit literally a thousand home runs i i, I remember when when he got cut I, I said i said i hope he hits a billion home runs and that's exactly what he's done just a billion home runs all right rapid fire through these couple other ones that we don't to spend too much time on but Javi's returned to Chicago and he tells the media to tell the Cubs, tell them I love them. And he's doing all this Javi stuff and being a, a showman and striking out and hitting bombs and, and yeah. all that. White Sox fans booing him for, I don't even know why. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Uh, good for Javi. I know he's had kind of a tough year. He's probably going to, you know, pull it around in the second half. He doesn't like the cold weather. Uh, he's probably going to play really well in July, August, and September. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand White Sox fans booing him. I don't know. White Sox fans are going to be White Sox fans. I don't want to go to battle with them because they're really soft and uh, uh, crazy. But, anyways, yeah, good for Hobby. Just showing it up to uh, showing up to Comiskey or whatever they called that field and uh, hitting a bunch of home runs and playing well. Good for him. And lastly, to be romantic one more time about X Cubs. Uh, I feel like seeing this photo, I can only imagine you just getting pumped up and wanting to play 18 with John Lester, but the head cover, keeping yeah. in the at the, uh, Yeah, at the whatever, amateur pro-am tournament in uh, Lake Tahoe. Yeah, you should go in the Hall of Fame as a Cub for life. There's been a lot of this stuff, Adam, that's just been going around. The Cubs are so freaking bad right now, and uh, God, I know John Lester's retired. I know he's not playing anymore, but just man, just hate what's happened to this team. To be honest with you, I, I hate what I hate what has happened to the standard, and I hate to go back to that when you're asking me a question about John Lester. But it's it's those types of things. Like I'm not expecting John Lester to pitch for the Cubs anymore, but I'm expecting for someone like John Lester to hold the standard to what Chicago Cubs baseball should be. And the Ricketts family has pissed it down the drain, pissed it in the trough. Actually, not even pissed in the trough. That's too high of a standard to set for them. Just piss it in the freaking dirt. Pisses me off. 
if, you can tell, if you can tell the mood that I'm in right now, just disgusted watching these games. Disgusted watching these games. Not not for the players' sake. Not mad at the players. I'm pissed off at the Ricketts family and Jed for lying about what the season has been. Absolute disgrace. Haven't heard one time from Tom Ricketts since last July, July 31st. All right? He won on the marquee network. We haven't heard from him one time publicly for a season that has now gone uh, for the Cubs that have now, now gone 62 games and 100 over the last 162. It's an absolute disgrace and travesty. My patience is running thin, if you can't tell by now. Christ's sake. All right, so to attack this episode, I think uh, open up to everybody and do about 20, 30 minutes of uh, talk, and then we can go to the all-star, all-morale team, Olive Garden, and take it yeah, out. I got it ready. All right. We're going to bring on, as always, first off, Big Hoss. What's the deal, Big Hoss? I'm just as pissed as you are, and I was there – and I was there last night, and it was bad. Highlight of last night was Nelson Velasquez tossing me a baseball. That's about it. I knew, I knew. I knew oh man, I was pissed. Right. I'm thinking, you know, maybe the Orioles are in town. You know, they're they're they shouldn't be as bad as the Dodgers series and terrible. So Orioles, big hoss, and listen, I listen. I know the Cubs are building something, whatever it is. I know, I know the money is hypothetically there like i get it i i know i know what the plan is i know they lied about the rebuild but god i just i i hate the fact that cubs fans think you can just flip a switch and you're gonna automatically win like you did in 2015 i hate the fact that we made jordan lyles look like a cy young winner dude went seven innings yesterday he's like their workhorse guy that eats innings because john means was out and man it was it was bad I'm not even mad at the player. I'm not even mad at the players. Like, they, listen, they're in a tough spot. The better players, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, they're in a tough spot. The start, like, you, yeah, they're doing something. what they can do. They're doing what they can do, but just like, man, you. I mean, remember last year when we when we uh, after the uh, trade deadline and we we saw the lineups like yes. we've seen that lineup every single every single game. This it's year. been Ortega terrible. At the top. Alaska, and I'm not saying they're terrible players, but just like God, just they're the not mediocrity that we've been uh, to come to has been brutal. The only, the only thing I'm looking forward to is Sunday, the draft. I don't know. I, I yeah. I'm pumped for the draft. Yeah, I guess no, that's I all I can hopefully, I can look forward to. Hopefully it goes fan. well, and and hopefully hopefully Jed figures it out and made a smart. Yeah, it is. you know what? If we're gonna look at the bright side with Jed. Hey, Nico Horner's looking like a really solid player. I think yesterday someone tweeted out a stat that if you were redraft the 2018 draft, Nico Horner is second in war. Yeah, in war. The uh, only person higher is uh, McClanahan on the Rays that pitcher. Yeah. So, hey, I, I guess there, there's your positive, and hopefully Jack can do the same thing. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks again, Big Hoss. Thank you. Thanks, Big Hoss. Next on, Zachary. What's up, guys? What's up, Zach? Um, this losing streak does not feel good, especially when all the losses come when you're losing by two or less runs. But I guess the storyline for this season has always been they just can't seem to win these close games. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, the, the draft, just touch on that. I'm really excited about what they can, you know, bring into the farm system. I'm really excited about who they're going to select. I don't know who they're going to select. It's like, the top lives like really top set two. Oh my god, top seven players in this draft. So 
we'll just see who they who's there when they're selecting. But um, I asked uh, this reporter on here about he did a Q and A about the Cubs, and he I he said that they're expected to not take winners off again like they did in 2018, 2019, kind of like how they were supposed to, you know, be active, trying to change the lineup and whatever. Um, and he said that, quote, think Jed will be careful to stagger contracts in a way that budget won't impede from making moves each winter. Do you see that happening? Zach, can you explain it one more time? Are you saying stagger contracts to where it's more spread out? Is that what you mean? Yes. I think he's saying like where contracts aren't going to handicap you, like the Jason Hayward contract handicapped us in yes. the old court. Or, uh, okay, yeah. No, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. There's been a lot of people talking about this idea that um, you don't want to have a team kind of like the Cubs had in 2015 and then ending in 2021 where it's like, everyone's all at once and you kind of have this gradual buildup of like whether it be a free agent uh, or a couple free agents signed in the off season along with a new young talented player coming during the season and you have this like slow progression of like not going all in at one time and then uh you know uh hoping it works i do agree with that and i do think the cubs are kind of taking that step forward but at the same time, like I, there still has to be a standard of what is uh, or what should be on the field and how the Cubs should be playing, how, you know, fans expect the Cubs to compete. So I, I, I understand what you're saying and I, I understand people that argue that way. But at the end of the day, the Cubs are saving money uh, to have a poor product on the field. And to me, that doesn't sit well, regardless of what you are paying for or regardless of how you are spending that money. I can live with a team going. What I can't live with is at the end of the day, uh, keeping money in the owner's pockets, having saying that uh, money's going to roll over for the next season, that type of rhetoric and narrative. I, I just can't stand if you're the Chicago Cubs, if you're a, you know, whatever $4 billion business and you bought out half of Lakeview and you, uh, you know, have made Wrigleyville Disney uh, land and, and all these types of things. I just can't stand for it. And um, again, I, I hate, I hate the fact that our organization has fallen to this lottery ticket mindset, like a, a small market team has it, It's really unfortunate. And again, Jed could prove us wrong and sign Xander Bogarts this off season. And, you know, maybe um, Carlos Rodon opts out and, you know, Jed goes after him. Yeah, sure. You know, it would be great. But uh, I think the Cubs are, are further than that. And that has to do with, you know, simply not being aggressive enough, not only at the top level, but in the middle section as well for free agents that can help this, help this team. And uh, also, if they're going to trade Contreras, they must, they, it's not even – they don't have to. It's, that, it's a must that they must go out there and replace the production that they're losing – with whoever guys are trading away this season. Yeah, if you if you lose Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras, who said it every week, you are you're putting yourself in a hole that not that a lot of Cubs fans aren't thinking about. They're just expecting that those two, uh, you know, players, whether it be whether it be young players that come up, veterans are just going to come in and produce at the same rate or fill those you know 
fill in the home runs and fill in the RBIs and the on on base percentage next year, uh, man, I just I think it's I think it's really short sighted. And if we look at Major League Baseball, whether you're a top top team or a wild card team or someone that's fighting for a playoff spot, um, they're pretty and relatively deep rosters. And I I don't think the Cubs are anywhere close to that. And if you get rid of those two guys, you're putting yourself deeper in a hole. All right. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Zach. All right, Fred, we got a write-in from Tormented Law Boy. He says, uh, if the Cubs were to completely abandon the cold-hearted ways of dealing with their guys for just relying on analytics, does that mean Jed goes? Is there a better way to construct the front office? Can you say it one more time? If the Cubs were completely abandoned the cold-hearted ways of dealing with our guys or just oh. relying on analytics, does that mean Jed goes? Is there a better way to construct the front office? I think that there's a give and take. I think the reality of the situation is, yeah, you, you want to have a front office that is analytical. You want to have a front office that is trying to obviously win at the margins find the best deals, find the Frank Schwindels for half a season or the Patrick Wisdoms, or, I mean, uh, you can think of a few other players where the Cubs have done that. They've done it really well in the bullpen. But at the same time, like, at the end of the day, if you're going to be a really good team, you're going to have to pay for stars. And if you look at the top uh, – if you, if, if you look at the starting pitchers in Major League Baseball right now, the top – pitchers who have the highest strikeout rates they've all been free agents within the last two years and sometimes sometimes you just need to go out and pay those guys and regardless of what it's going to look like in the back end you're gonna have to pay and I, I guess it just really comes down to what what does the Ricketts family want the Chicago Cubs to be do they want to be a contender or do they want to be Disney World do they do they do they want to go out and be like a true you know blue chip organization that's going to be on the forefront of winning and uh, you know, have progress, have a progressive mindset, but have a really strong standard, or do you just want to be this, you know, carnival parade, uh, whatever, uh, some attraction for fans to go to, uh, and enjoy. And, you know, you fill the place and you have your time in the bleachers and then you leave and you tell everybody about it. And then, you know, that cycle keeps going. I don't know. I, part of me really believes that, that, that Jed and Tom have, have kind of lost their, uh, I don't want to say killer instinct to win, but I, I don't think they're taking into account that these losses really matter. And uh, I, I hate the fact that, that Jed said that it's not a rebuild and this is what he put on the field. It, it looks bad both ways. If this was what you, th- if this is the team that you thought was going to compete, then you're not doing your job well. And if you lied about it, that's almost worse. So I don't know. Jed has a lot to prove. I don't know if I'm talking around the answer, but, or, or the question, but uh, listen, he, he's got it. He has to have a better relationship with players and he has to be more aggressive in terms of upping the ante when they're in contract negotiations and not being so um, rigid on what he's going to pay players. If he's going to stay like that, we're not going to end up signing anybody or we'll just end up signing, you know, the sub hundred million dollar deals where whether it be the say Suzuki or Marcus Stroman, and we won't ever touch the big fish like a Aaron Judge or a Soto or, you know, you name it. All right, we're going to bring in Cody and then go to Danny. Cody, how's it going? 
Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up, Cody? Uh, good to be back in the space uh, again this week. It's a good way to air out the uh, all the anger, uh, as everyone has been. So I appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, you know, after last week, I thought, you know, you know, the way they won that series against the Brewers, you know, I don't know. You, you know, I was in when I was in here last week. I, you know, I asked Dom the question of, you know, maybe, maybe. If they have a good month of July, maybe they won't sell half the team off. And ever since then, they won been, one game. I know, <laughs> I know, Cody. I've been thinking about that question. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, whenever I, well, like I said, I was like, this is, this is, uh, this is me getting up to be completely let down, and that's basically what's happened. Um, but uh, I guess today, this week's question for me is, you know, yesterday I sent a tweet, it blew up. A lot of people either agreed or disagreed with me, but. Uh, I think it mainly had to do with my 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 thought on Theo's biggest mistake compared to Jed's biggest mistake, and I, I at this point I think Jed's biggest mistake is uh, uh, is non tendering Schwarber. I know you guys were talking about that a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm I'm interested in in what you what you think uh, both uh, Theo and Jed's biggest mistake are, or Jed's biggest mistake thus far, and uh, and Theo's biggest mistake uh, as uh, when he was uh, when he was the guy. I don't know if it was necessarily Theo's mistake uh, because obviously the financials are out of his hands because Tom Ricketts wants to have, you know, another real estate property in Lakeview. Um, But I would say not being more aggressive on some of the free agents that have come down the pike over the last um, four years, Manny Bachado, Bryce Harper. I mean, these guys could have extended, extended a window and essentially, you know, that money that we were going to spend on Chris Bryant or Javier Baez or Anthony Rizzo or, you know, you name it, potentially Kyle Schwarber. Granted, you know, he wouldn't have got that money while he was here. But, you know, that that money was never spent. That big contract was never spent. And we've kind of just supplemented that money with, you know, Say Suzuki and Marcus Stroman, who essentially are just getting what Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant and Javier Baez were getting in arbitration. So, I don't know. I think that's probably the biggest mistake. If you, you look at the top guys, I just talked about it. Like the, you talk about the top guys, the all-stars, the superstars, top tier players. They're those guys for a reason. And if you're telling me Bryce Harper was on the Cubs uh, for the time he's been on the Phillies, I think things look a lot differently. I think it extends a window. I'm not, I'm not saying Chris Bryant stays. I'm not saying Anthony Rizzo stays, but it gives you hope to kind of turn the page into a new uh, era, if you will, of Cubs baseball or extending the golden era, if you will, however you want to describe it. I'd say that those are probably the biggest mistakes. You could say the same thing on the free agent front. Uh, the last thing on Theo, going for Q instead of uh, uh, Verlander back in 2017. Verlander goes on, you know, all-star this year. He's been dealing the last six years for the Astros having a crazy career. Now I know the cheating scandals in there. I get it, but God, he's totally changed around that franchise and gave them what John Lester gave us and probably better than that. Yeah. Those are the two things. I don't know. Jed, it's to be, to be determined, right? I, like Warber's a huge mistake, but uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens moving forward. And I think it's too early to tell in Jed's tenure as the president of baseball operations, but the Schwarber decision is brutal. And that's coming from a person that like 
reconciled it with Jock Peterson, and I under kind of understood what they were doing, but still thought it was short sighted in the moment to just get rid of them for for nothing essentially, and and not really trying to bolster the roster. Instead, trying to like just like move pieces around and see if the change just you know made a little spark. I, what I was going to say is, uh, to response to, to you, Dom, is with the Schwarber thing, it's like, you know, with the way that this organization should be, should be running, if they want to go get Jock Peterson, have Kyle Schwarber on the roster at the same time, I don't yeah, know if it would have made sure. sense, but at least it would have bolstered the roster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, related to the Theo stuff, you know, for I, I've, you know, you can you can point out in hindsight about Jason Hayward, and you can point out in hindsight about the Quintana trade, and you can point out in hindsight, uh, you know, not going after other free agents who obviously the Cubs should have been going after. I mean, I'm with you on Bryce Harper and, and stuff like that. But I also feel like at the same time, it's just like the fact that they couldn't develop more talent on the farm while those guys were up really, honestly, is really what kind of set this team back because, you know, Jed said it himself you know that the fact that they didn't move some of those guys earlier as in Brian Rizzo or Baez or, or I guess even Schwarber if they would have traded him after 19 when his value was high um you know it I feel like that's a big reason why the Cubs are in the position they are now now they don't the have pitching, to be in this sure. position I mean, they definitely it, don't have to be in this position because of the organization that they are but I again I I the only thing that's keeping me optimistic related to like what the Cubs are doing now is that they're like building, hopefully like an elite farm system, kind of like how the Dodgers have. And we're going to see in five years, if, if they can, if not only they have guys up on the team and are winning, but also if they still continue to just boost out more talent on the farm as well. So if, if Jed can do that, then I would say that he's, he's at least, uh, putting the organization uh, ahead more so than in the golden era. It's just, just sucks how we have to wait here and see how, <laughs> wait for it to play it, out. Yeah. It Cody, and it does suck. The problem is, is that we're all forgetting how good the Cubs minor league system was back in 2014 and 15. Number one, you know, a farm system. We're not even close to that right now. Let I, Let's just be honest about it. Like, yeah. Brennan Davis has had the back surgery. He's playing, coming back this year. Pico Armstrong looks really good. Um, Christian Hernandez looks like he's going to be, you know, a really good player in the future. But Christ Almighty, guys, we had freaking all – we had a whole all-star team in the minor leagues back then. I, and, again, I just – like, I, I don't want to say it was a, a once-in-a-million opportunity that the Cubs had back then, but you're talking about let's not – forget they hit on every single freaking goddamn prospect that showed up at 1060 West Addison you can even say Jorge Soler who went on to have a solid career uh the only bust you're looking at is Alvaro Mora Ian Happ just made an all-star team Kyle Schwarber's hitting a billion home runs Anthony Rizzo is Anthony Rizzo Javier Baez gets a 150 million dollar contract Chris Bryant wins MVP and multiple all-star I mean come on guys like uh, like and Cody, I'm not directing it. I'm not directing that at you specifically. I'm just saying, in general, I, I just think the idea of like, all right, the farm had a good night last night, but then you look at the rest of the you know, minor leagues and like the Cubs are in the middle of the pack. It would be different if we were in the top three in terms of farm systems right now. We're not, and I know 
you know, the seventh overall pick is coming. I know we're going to have a high draft pick next year, but we don't want to be in a situation where we're picking at the top of the draft every year. Like, yeah, it would be great if we had a good team and we could do that, but we, we're not. We don't want to rebuild. And uh, we don't want to be in a situation where 2025 is like this the, the closest chance to have a winning team here on the north side. It shouldn't be the case. Um, and I just don't want Cubs fans to forget how awesome, how incredible that team was and, uh, in the minor leagues back then. It, it was it, Addison Russell as well. The guy, no, you know, we don't want to talk about, but like him coming up, you know, for the, those first two years, top five prospect when they got him for Shark. Like again, like we, we just forget, and uh, I just think many Cubs fans believe that they see P. Carl Armstrong and they see Brennan Davis, and then they equate it to what was back then because they're, you know, the Cubs are now rebuilding. It's going to be the same thing. It's not, not even close. But we'll see. Absolutely, I, I'm with you, man. I. I... I, again, I'm just saying I'm, I'm hoping that they are able to, you know, build a farm system that's yeah. able to sus- be sustainable and not, you know, just run out of guys after, you know, they do find all stars and, and stuff like that. So uh, we'll for see. sure. Thanks again, Cody. Thanks, Cody. All right. Danny Rocket. Hey, how you, up, how you doing, Dom? I'm good. Uh, Thanks for hosting this room. It's a tough time to be a Cubs fan right now. So it's, it's nice that we can all get together and air our grievances. Yeah. Um, here's my grievance. And it's a little off the subject of the Cubs themselves. More of a fan question yep. is uh, I'm at the game last night with Crawley. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Crawley. Happy birthday, Crawley. Yeah. And we're sitting out there. He got upgraded from the Cubs. We're sitting right behind home plate and caught on the video board was uh, after uh, Urias's home run last night, went to the top of the left field bleachers, and uh, somebody got the ball, and as you should, throw it back, went to throw it, the guy didn't want to throw it back, but Bob, friend of mine, Bob, ran over with a dummy ball, (laughs) got caught on the video board, handing the dummy ball to, to the guy that caught it, Bob runs away with the ball. The guy throws the dummy ball back. Everybody cheers. But it got caught mm. on the video board um, that the switcheroo yeah. got caught. So uh, I, I've always personally been against the dummy ball situation. Your bleacher regulars are like, nah, that's what you do. You want to keep it. It's a gamer, man. You got to keep the gamer. I know. The Mai Tai. Yeah. So I, I would throw it. I'd personally throw any ball that I would get from the opposing team back and not go for the dummy ball. And uh, I, don't, I just want to know your opinion on that. Yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm throwing it back. I'm, I'm throwing it back. If it's a visiting team, I'm throwing it back for sure. I think, and again, I know not every Cubs fan has an opportunity to go to, you know, multiple games a year or maybe multiple games, you know, within their lifetime. But I think if you really wanted a major league ball, you could find a way to get a major league ball today. I, I just think the amount of balls they go through, granted, I know you probably don't have the same opportunity to get a home run ball, but I, I, I'll be a meatball here and, and agree with you, Danny, that, you know what, some, some traditions mean something as silly as they are. Uh, you're, throwing back the, you're throwing back the visiting team's home run ball. If you really want a major league ball, you can find one. And uh, I, I'm always like, if you're going to use a dummy ball, I mean, throw back an orange or something. Like, make it funny. Like, <laughs> you know, sometimes you see a ball going out there. It's like a little league baseball. It's made of rubber. Yeah, like, for sure. It's, it's, 
it's it's like a wiffle ball like you know they just let's make it funny like if you're gonna do a dummy ball just make it make it an orange that's that's my opinion anyway uh, i just wondering what you thought about it because the, the bleacher crew they they disagree with that and they're supposed to be the keepers of the tradition yeah, I know, right? I, I would I would think the same thing. Maybe my tie guy can come on next week and we can talk about that. I, I don't know. I, I think some traditions are sacred and uh I, I don't know. You know what? The dummy ball can be for another for another uh team and another organization and, and separate <laughs> bleachers. For here I, I don't like it and I don't stand by it. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm glad that I, I feel vindicated that in my thoughts. Um thanks for hosting the room. You got uh, it, Danny. I'm gonna take off. Thanks again, Danny. All right, Fred, with the All-Star game coming up, I want to talk about the two bright spots the Cubs have. And I think, I don't know which one of the morale supply co-admins tweet out that video of the dad tossing the baby in the pool that we're all preparing for. (laughs) But I think we all felt it. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the All-Stars that we have and how you're feeling going into maybe these last few weeks with, with them. Um, I, I don't want to just brush over Wilson Contreras. I think I've talked about him enough and I, I it's not that I want to talk a lot about Ian Happ. I just want to say, uh, really happy for him for, listen, I think he's been a guy and I'm not, I'm going to try to be unbiased here, but, um, he's put himself out there in a way that many Cubs, uh, players have not in the past he really does engage with the fans I think he does have a really good idea of what's going on with the fan base and what's going on within the community and he's tried hard to establish you know relationships uh you know throughout the organization and the Cubs whatever entire uh ecosystem and from that I think a lot of fans or people out there have given him criticism for whether it be, you know, doing the coffee stuff or uh, the podcast and stuff like that. And he gets a lot of feedback and be like, Hey, instead of like recording a podcast, you should go out and be in the cage or you should be working harder on your swing or you should be doing this or doing that. And I think um, it's great to see someone like that who really does care about the fan base and has uh, been so connected to the fan base, uh, have a really good season and essentially for lack of a better term, feel vindicated. I feel vindicated myself for getting all the, you know, last year when we announced the morale blend uh, and Ian's having a really tough, you know, first half of the year, everyone's ripping on it and doing all this stuff and, and this and that. And uh, I personally feel vindicated that the morale blend has seen this through and Ian, Ian's having the best year of his career. Um, it's in the dugout. It's in the clubhouse. It's in his locker. Uh, so personally, I feel good ab- about that. But just for him, you know, for all the Cubs fans out there that have, that have tweeted him saying, hey, like stop recording your podcast or stop selling coffee or stop doing this or doing that, you know, with Cubs fans, you should be more focused on the team. And he's having – you know, one of the best years in baseball right now. It's been awesome to see, and I don't think enough people are, are talking about that because there are plenty of idiots out there that, that think that these people can't be human beings and they can't, you know, have other uh, interests outside of outside of baseball and outside of the federal landmark. And it, it's cool to see the positive things he's done, but also uh, – He's still yeah, there. I'm still there. 
Someone call me. All right, you just cut out the end. Uh, yeah, I feel like the the fan aspect of it is, I mean, that people are always going to complain for something, but Wolves Contreras and happen in their own ways show that they care about playing for the Cubs and they care about playing for Chicago yeah. and some ways that other players that we like are so loyal to like, you know, different types of players, but Chris Bryant was pretty kind of stone cold and show much like Chicago yeah, sure. love the same way Ian connect. If you tweet yeah. Ian Happ, he'll, he'll respond to you. He'll react. He'll record a podcast talking about his game and he wants to be a part of Chicago. Wilson, you feel it through every one of his interviews. So it's funny, oh, people, you can never make everybody happy, but those are guys that have shown love for the city, and I think people will feel a different sort of heartbreak uh, if and when they get traded. No, yeah, for sure, and I think, you know, not to not to do a drive-by on Chris Bryant right now, but Chris Bryant was always kind of, it always felt, and I've said this in the past, it always felt like anytime Chris was connecting with the fans, whether it be be uh, an interview or whether it be at an appearance it was also always 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 uh you know presented by a sponsor it was always a red bull thing it was always a whatever midwest health clinic whatever it's called thing um and i i think you know whether it be ian or other guys that you know have really spent the time outside of like a sponsorship deal to you know uh relate and connect with the fans I think is super um, notable and uh, definitely appreciated by um, uh, many many Cubs fans and I, I I don't want that to get lost in the loss in translation in terms of how he's presented himself over the last couple of years as a Cub. Yeah not to say Chris Bryant didn't care about Chicago or the Cubs but yeah, no. the transparency of the other players is something that I think people should respect. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's not, I'm not trying to rip on Chris, but I think whenever Chris had something to do, it was, he was doing it because Red Bull wanted him to do it. It it wasn't like Chris was going out of his way to, you know, connect with the fans. That's all. All right. So having said all that, you put together a a starting lineup, all time, all morale Cubs team. Um, Yeah, I did. Framework, the rules you set for yourself in terms of who can qualify and what gets you in. Yeah, and I think my – I don't want to say mine's going to be too generic, but I think everyone kind of knows the players that I like considering I talk about them all the time. So I, I wouldn't say many of this – much of this is going to be a surprise considering, um, you know, I, I've been pretty vocal about the players that I like. But this is strictly a morale team. This is not have to do with ability, but there are going to be obviously good players on here. This is simply me. I don't want to say my favorite team, but uh, my – perspective of what morale means to the Cubs. These are my these are my all-stars. Now I am going to preface this by saying much of my players uh, are from the 90s and 2000s because that's when I grew up so I'm definitely biased in that sense. There's probably been people listening here that have more of a 80s vibe to it, 70s vibe to it. That's fine. Maybe even a you know, 2010s and beyond vibe to it. I understand that. I'm going off the 90s 2000s because that were those were my formative years uh, growing. So starting well, Fred. Also, I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna have a couple people on as speakers that are the regulars on the clubhouse. Just be peanut gallery in case in case they have any side notes or questions for you. 
no, as you go through the do. lineup. Because I, I, I don't want to say I struggle with this, but uh, there's a few positions that I, I, I had a hard time filling in, and there's, there's one in particular that I'm not. I don't want to say I'm not proud of, but there's a stipulation to it, and I'll go into that. I'm going to start in the outfield. It's starts... all right, KCL. You were able to, to chime in. All right, go ahead. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, so I'm going to start in the outfield and while Ian Happ is having a great, uh, season as a left fielder, I got, I mean, this is obvious. I got to go with my goddamn left fielder, Kyle Schwarber, left fielder, not only an all-star this year, but in terms of morale, in terms of just a, just a hearty Midwestern person, just regular normal dude that just wants to hit homers and crush beers and, you know, just, just be a, you know, cool, unassuming guy, Kyle Schwarber. Just whenever he hit homers, he was fantastic. I could go on and on. Everyone knows that. Right field. No one's surprised about that pick. No one's surprised about that. Right field. No one's going to be surprised about this. The king, Sammy Sosa, should be back in the federal landmark. Everyone knows what I think about Sammy. Everyone knows that I think he should be back here. He should be welcomed. Uh, I know he cheated. Uh, I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not looking for him to be in the Hall of Fame. I just want him to be able to, you know, celebrate with Cubs fans considering all he did for this organization back in the 90s and 2000s. Everyone understands that. Centerfield, one that obviously he wasn't a Cub for very long, but in terms of that 2003 season, Kenny Lofton, I know I'm leaving off other players. I know I'm le- I'm not thinking about the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s. I understand I'm doing that. I'm just talking about my formative years. Kenny Lofton, when he was traded to the Chicago Cubs in 2003, that was uh, a serious morale booster, a leadoff hitter, a guy that got on base, played extremely well for the Cubs back then. Um, he's my center fielder, uh, probably you know has a good case to be in the Hall of Fame, um, just a true speed guy and contact hitter. He was awesome to watch. Even though he wasn't a Cub for very long, for me, uh, he's my morale center fielder. Kenny Lofton was a dog. Kenny dog. Lofton was a dog, man. Yeah, he was a dog. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. That, that's my outfield. I know I'm leaving some guys off. I know I'm leaving Hall of Famers off, but this is not by ability. This is simply about morale for me, for me and me only. Um, Adam, what do you want? You Let's go to the infield. Yeah, let's take it to the infield. Ron Sano, third base, uh, not only for what he did on the field, but if you grew up as a Cubs fan – in the 90s and 2000s, into the 2000s. Well, when did Ron die? When did Ron die? When did he pass? 2010. That was 20. I, I was I was confused on whether it was before or after 2010. So really, the 2000s, the 90s, if, if you did not have the opportunity to listen to Pat and Ron on uh, 720, do their thing on a daily basis. I mean, it was a, a appointment radio. If uh, I know people don't think about it that way today, but um, it was awesome to hear. And yeah, I, I miss it to be honest with you. He had enthusiasm as a broadcaster, obviously had a great career doing the uh, whatever leprechaun jump. I'm not saying that correctly, but uh, at the end of games, I, I really mispronouncing that or don't know the term to describe it, but um yeah, awesome, awesome player. I, you know, you could do Aramis because of, you know, him kind of being this clutch, like, underrated guy. But, it, Pat, I, 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 I'd I, be remiss to leave off Ron Sano. Um, 
shortstop hobby, not even close. I mean, listen, we all know how electric hobby was absolutely fantastic. Um, so I'm going with hobby. I, I don't even have to say anything more. He's one of the most electric players in baseball and one of the most electric Cubs of all time. I'm going to jump over to first base because my second baseman is, uh, for, uh, recent news is, uh, a little sketchy, but I'm going to go to first base, the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Um, listen, Anthony Rizzo brought a lot to this organization. He brought a lot of morale, but there's something about when your first baseman's called the freaking crime dog. Um, yeah, he, he's on my morale all-star team. He was awesome to watch. He had absolute moonshots. I, I like. I know everyone hits home runs, but I feel like the Crime Dogs home runs went a thousand feet in the air. Uh, the guy was a giant. Uh, he was a little older when he came to the Cubs, but had a fantastic career and obviously the, one of the best nicknames of all time. Second baseman. Now, I preface this by saying I do not condone anything that this guy has done, and I know he's been a favorite of mine in the past. I just had a really hard time thinking about a second baseman that really would feature uh, like a true or had a whole lot of morale. That's Starlin Castro. Again, I preface this by saying I do not condone anything Starlin Castro has done over the uh, recent years, like uh, domestic assault, domestic abuse. Uh, He had the sketchy – uh, murder that was related to him in the Dominican Republic years ago. Not saying he's a great guy. I'm just saying for the player on the field, he was exciting to watch, especially in that 2015 season when he came back, zero haters, played second base, um, put the ball in play. You know, we know what Starlin was. Don't condone anything he did. I want to be very clear about that. Big team guy, too. Starlin was like the Cubs, right? I mean, he was a big team guy. At the, at the end, he was definitely a team guy. At the end, he was definitely a team guy. I feel like every when the Cubs won the World Series, everybody kind of wanted Starlin to get get yeah. a ring or get something. Uh, no doubt. Because he was a big part of the, the bridge there. Yeah, no, no he was. Yeah, he was. He, he, you know what? He was, he was such an interesting player because Jed and Theo really looked at him as the – um, as like the guy that had to leave so they could build something new, but at the same time, like brought a lot of morale and, you know, obviously was a good player to where he was kept around for the 15th season. That, that, I feel like that's a pretty good uh, infield and outfield, Dom. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty impressed there. First base was difficult. You got a lot of good guys, right? I know Gracie was a little bit before my time. Derek Lee was a was a staple for a while who also just hit like a monster. Felt like he was a good one. Uh, obviously, Mr. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was fabulous too, but yeah, that was, I was, thinking, that was a good I was one thinking about them all. Again, 90s and 2000s, those are my formative years. I was even thinking about Hesop Choi. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about I was thinking about a few guys, but you I just couldn't get past the crime dog. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right, starting pitchers. I'm only doing two and these are obvious Bad news in Big Z. Big Z, I tweeted out a month ago when it was, uh, I think it was either his birthday or it was the anniversary of him throwing the no-hitter at Wrigley North. Uh, There was only a few – you knew one of a few things were going to happen every time Big Z pitched. He was either going to get a forearm cramp, he was going to strike out the side uh, and, like, have 15 Ks, he was going to hit a tank, or he was going to destroy a Gatorade cooler, or you know, <laughs> the cooler. Yeah, and literally that. Those are those are the 
four or five things that you knew was going to happen every time Big Z started. One of those things were going to happen every time Big Z started. Um, Cub for life uh, brought the emotion. Really good Cub, by the way. And then obviously bad news. I mean, everyone knows my appreciation for bad news. I couldn't. He's one of my all time, probably my number one pitcher to watch uh, as a Cub. Bad news day was incredible. That 2020 season was awesome. He was absolutely electric. I hate that he was traded uh, away for, you know, obviously uh, a return that we won't see the uh, fruits of for a while. But you know what? I'm always going to root for the guy. He's fantastic and uh, really proud for what he's done. The man behind the plate. Who you got? I mean, yeah, it's got to be Wilson, right? Like, I know, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, recency bias. I couldn't come up with someone that that had the same juice. And I, I, listen, maybe I'm not going too far in the record books. I'm not going too far into our history. But when you have a guy that's literally the heartbeat of the organization, uh, yeah, he's the he's the number one guy for me behind the plate. Hank White, uh, you know, Henry Blanco was <laughs> awesome. Gio Soto, we had some good catchers back in the day too. Michael Barrett. Some good guys that got us through some tough times. The picks, man. All about it. All bullpen. About it. I'm finishing here with the bullpen. Actually, designated hitter. Uh, God, my newborn is killing me right now. Um, designated hitter. We are going with Ian Happ, obviously. Uh, Big-time morale athlete. Everyone knows what I'm – everyone knows what I think about him. Morale blend. Hey, you got to be a little quieter. Um and uh, that's what I'm going with. Great. And go to the bullpen. Finally, uh, I have a few. I think we could go uh, for a long time with this. The names that come to mind for me, I have three in particular. Number one being, number one being Rod Beck. God bless Rod Beck. Grew up on Rod Beck. He was just watching him was awesome just because – um, he looked like he could, whether it be change your tires, give you an oil change. I think at one time he was living in a mobile home while he was a professional athlete. Um, he had, uh, unfortunately lost, uh, Rod too early, but go back, look at Rod Beck. He's uh man, she had a special look to him. Looked like your everyday guy coming out of the bullpen. Uh, and I really appreciated that. You never knew what you were going to get. It was an absolute roller coaster. He was like, looked like the best pitcher of all time. Then he looked like he never threw a baseball before. Um, Just really, really, really fun to watch. So I'd be remiss not to add Carlos Marmol. And then finally, everyone should know Pedro Strope. Just uh, God. Coming from the left city, you know, uh, the fist pumps, he was – he looked like a bodybuilder coming out of the bullpen. Um, his Instagram videos are all time. Instagram stories are all time. So, yeah, uh, our final guy, Pedro Strope, everyone should know that I was going to add him on there. He's just a cub for life, world champion. And, uh, I, you know, I'm surprised he's not with the organization right now. I, I think a lot of people really appreciate Pedro. And I'm surprised he's either not a coach or anything like that within the organization. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, had a role here with the team soon. John Lester Reams. John Lester Reams for life. All right, Freddie, you had a couple of 
little bit of feedback from listeners DMing and tweeting. Uh, one of them was asking why there is no Mr. Cub, and they're saying they love Avi just as much as you, but how does he not make the list? 90s and 2000s, again, my own list. I, like, yeah, Ernie Banks, I get it, but Hobby's the most electric player of all time. I'm not I'm not going to try to argue about that Mr. Cub isn't deserving, but I'm talking about strictly morale. And I think I think many uh, people by now, considering how I tweet, should know that I'm – I love the Latin flair that, you know, guys like Javi and Sammy and uh, Wilson have. And uh, I'm definitely biased from that standpoint. All right. And I want to hear your uh, your futures game, your rising stars. Anybody on the team now or in the minors that you have some excitement for and you think uh, has a potential coming up in terms, in terms of, of a morale standpoint? Morale standpoint. I mean, I think we look no further than Christopher Morrell, right? Like, when he's going, he, he's one of the most uh, – in in the short term, he's been one of the most exciting Cubs uh, that we've seen recently. He's got that hobby in him. He's got that dog in him. Um, so I'm going to go no more than uh, – look no further than that. And I, I know that's a, the easy way to look at it, but uh, I think – Listen, you can be electric in the minor leagues when you're playing in front of a couple thousand people, but when you can do it, in, you know, at the federal landmark in front of, you know, 40,000 uh, when the bright lights are on and you're facing big leaguers, I think that's, I think that's when it really shows how, how much morale you really have. All right, who's, who's the manager? Ooh, this, you know what, this, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because I've ripped on the guy a lot for how he handled the the Cubs back during his time. And I'm not saying he's the best manager. This is not a ma- this is not a matter of ability. It, it's really not. It's not a matter of managerial ability. It's simply a matter of of morale and when things are going well, they're going really really well because that guy has, you know, some personality to him and stuff like that. I'm going Duffy. I know people are going to say that's a bad pick. I get it. I know people are pissed about him with what he did with Mark Pryor. I, I totally understand, but there was something about Dusty wearing the wristbands, you know, having the, the toothpick. Um, he brought a different energy to the team. I'm not saying it was the right energy. I'm not saying he's the best manager, but I'm going with him because this is simply a this is simply viewing through the lens of uh, morale, not ability. Pure nostalgia. I felt yeah. like you were you're gonna go. I mean, I know everyone's ripped on for many reasons, but the guy who's vibes, like he just talks vibes all the time with Joe Madden, the hippie. I thought you were going to go with that, talking about taking shots in the dugout and everything. But, um, you know, at a time, yeah, but there's also a part of me where, like, Madden would – Joe would just get, like, too cute. And it, it's, like, all the things we talk about now on, like, wanting to have, like, a big, like, roster full of talent where you can, like, play matchups and you can, you know, have everyone involved. Joe took that to like the 10th degree to where I was like, screw this. I just want the best nine to play every single game. And I don't want to be at that spot because I think we obviously need to rely on more than nine players. So Joe, I don't want to say ruin that. And it's not that I don't appreciate Joe, but Joe often was like kind of condescending and, and thought he was the smartest guy in the room and every decision he made was the right one. Uh, so maybe I'm definitely biased there, but, he doesn't top morale for me. I'm, I'm picturing this whole morale all-star weekend, and it, it sounds so electric because now I'm thinking about the home run derby with 
Schwarber and Sammy going head to head. I know, right? Like, oh my god, wow! This needs to be a feature in like an MLB MLB the show. You can just bring everybody back for an. And it also, you know, not to belabor the point, but it also reminds me that the Cubs don't really have anything like that. I know, you know, Ian and Wilson are still on the team, but we don't have like. And I know Christopher Morales on the team, but I don't feel like we have that same energy that we have when you have a really good team and you're excited and, you know, you have expectations for what the Cubs can be. And there's a hope of a World Series, stuff like that. It just kind of makes me sad that we're, we're not close to that right now. All right. And then uh, who are you taking this week to Olive Garden as a token of your appreciation? Adam, I feel like I'm doing the same guys over and over and over again, I'm struggling with this. Um, did I do Nico last week? I honestly don't remember. I, I'm going Nico again. He's turning into, be- into the, one of the best players on the team. He very well could be the best player on the team after August 2nd. Um, I know I brought him to Olive Garden a bunch, but he's like been the. Like, I feel like maybe a five right spot on the team, and he continues to be one of the best. Uh, one of the best defensive shortstop in Shortstops in the league makes a lot of contact. He's producing at the plate, so I'm going. I'm going Nico again. Hopefully, we can get Nico on here to, to talk about this kind of transformation in the Cup. He's been around for a while now. If you think about it, he's really young, but he's been around for a while. And uh, you know, showing up that 2019 season, I feel like we've really seen him develop here at the big league level compared to other players that you know obviously have developed in the minor leagues, but have shown up as a more polished product. Nico is really like. He was kind of thrust into the situation where he had to play at the big league level and has continued to get better slowly over the years, but this year he's making that real big jump. So really happy for the guy. and Hopefully we can have him on soon to talk. All right, then take us into uh, the rest of the week. Who we, we got? Orioles. Every week. Orioles and then the New York Mets are in town. And then, uh, yeah, that's – God, I'm going to have some tweets about the freaking Mets. Um let me just say this about the Mets. The Mets, if the Mets can have this fantastic team where they spend a lot of money, they're the freaking Mets. They have had no infrastructure, no stability, no continuity, no farm system, no nothing. And all they've done is Steve Cohen has gone out and said, I don't care about the money. I just want to put the best goddamn field on the, uh, team on the field. And they're in a situation where they're one of the best teams in the league. So save me, save me the idea that you can't spend and win. We are seeing that all across the league right now. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, uh, the list goes on and on. And um, I know I will tweet about that a lot because, again, not to continuously hammer the point, but it's a joke what's happening right now with the team. Uh, the Orioles, listen, I know they're like a developing, young, uh, rising roster, but the Cubs shouldn't be losing to them, and shouldn't they should be on a totally different level than what the Orioles are. So we'll see what happens. We get one week close to the trade deadline. Uh becomes more and more real as it moves forward. As I said, my focus is Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, uh, Nico Horner, a few guys in the bullpen, Christopher Morale. Uh, and hopefully uh, they have some good weeks and we feel we continue to feel good about those players and, and try to regroup uh, and, you know, muster up enough morale and energy for what uh, for the hits that we're about to take in a couple weeks with the trade deadline. All right. And I just want to 
put out this uh, stat you can hang your hat on. The Cubs are still third in the league for triples, so staying up there. Still have the triples. Staying up there. Staying up there. Hey, these last losses are on me. Since I went under the knife on the Thursday, the 7th, we've lost every game, so I apologize. I'm going to carry that for everybody. I don't know what it was. If the surgeon just can you put the anesthesia go back on that? I honestly, I might just fall and mess it up anyway, just to go back under to see if I can, you know, possibly like reduce the future here. But I'll, I'll eat this. All right. Hey, forever keep you all. It's all right. I'm glad you're feeling better. I hope you guys. It's so it's so nice to be back on. Obviously, this last week off getting surgery and everything done, but I'm outside. All right, perfect. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, all right, so we got. That's all I got. Thanks everyone for being here. Hopefully, we have a good week. We'll see you all next week. Public four, as always. Be red.